Hi guys, it's Victoria here and welcome to the Motorsport Stories podcast. This is episode one and we're talking about the 1979 French Formula One Grand Prix. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the 1979 French Formula One Grand Prix. This Grand Prix marked the first Formula One victory for Renault and also the first time a turbo engine won a Formula One Grand Prix. Apart from these firsts, the race is probably most well known for arguably the most epic race duel seen in Formula One. What is strange is that this duel wasn't even for first place. Ferrari's Gilles Villeneuve and Renault's René Arnoux were actually battling for second place. In this episode, we will explore the legacy of this duel, the drivers involved, the race itself, and how the duel was viewed at the time. We will also take into consideration that Formula One nowadays is being criticized for penalizing drivers too heavily when they battle too hard. We will also present the two drivers immortalized by this epic battle. Firstly, we have the Canadian Ferrari driver, Gilles Villeneuve, and secondly, French Renault driver, René Arnoux. And since the race is mostly known for this battle, few people remember that it was Arnoux's teammate at Renault, the French Jean-Pierre Chabouil, who actually won the race. The Formula 1 of 1979 was vastly different than today. The previous season had been dominated by Lotus Ford with Mario Andretti taking a world championship and his teammate Ronnie Patterson finishing as runner-up despite having been killed in an accident before the season had finished. The 1979 season had welcomed a number of new constructors to compete in the championship. By the end of the season, the Ferrari team would prove victorious, both winning the Constructors' Championship and their drivers taking the number one and two spots in the Drivers' Championship. The season saw drivers such as Jody Schechter, Alan Jones, Mario Andretti, Niki Lauda, Nelson Piquet and more compete for the title. The 1979 French Formula 1 Grand Prix took place at the dijon Prenot circuit. For the past two years at the time, Renault had been using turbo engines. Turbocharged engines had been allowed in Formula 1 for a number of years at the time. But Renault were the innovators at the time and during this season, they were also the only team using this relatively new racing technology. The rules stipulated that the turbo engines could only be 1.5 liters versus conventional naturally aspirated engines that were allowed to be up to 3 liters in displacement. Up until the 1979 French Grand Prix, Renault had had no success with their turbocharged engine. Their car earned the dubious nickname Yellow Teapot because the engine often went up in smoke and their car was, surprisingly enough, yellow. Ahead of this race, Renault had gotten some extra time to work on their engine, as the preceding Swedish Grand Prix had been cancelled after the tragic deaths of the two local racing heroes, Ronnie Pettersson, also a Formula 1 driver, driving for Lotus, who had been killed in the Italian Grand Prix on Monza in 1978, and Gunnar Nilsson, also a Formula 1 driver, who was set to start driving for the Arrows team in 1978, 
when he was diagnosed with cancer and died by the end of that year. Renault took advantage of this cancellation by introducing an improved variant of the turbocharged engine to their cars. As the French Grand Prix weekend came about, the Renaults were really good during the qualification and practice sessions of the French Grand Prix and their drivers, both French, started the race as number one, Jean-Pierre Chabouille, and two, René Arnoux, respectively. Before the race, Gilles Villeneuve had told the media that he had to win the race since he was only 10 points away from leading the world championship. When the race started, he also quickly managed to pass the Renaults, take the lead of the race and even pull away from the rest of the field. Anu, on the other hand, had stalled during the start and dropped all the way down to ninth place after starting in second. The race start had shown that even though Renault's turbo engines had gotten better, they still struggled with, amongst other things, turbo lag. After dropping down to ninth in the beginning of the race, Anu had already climbed back up to third place after 15 laps. Villeneuve, on the other hand, started to have problems with his tires that he was not able to change and his brakes. This gave Chabouille, who had dropped down to second at the start of the race, the chance to regain the lead and so he was able to overtake Villeneuve on lap 47. At this point, it did not look like Arnu was able to threaten Villeneuve's second place in the race as there was a distance of around 20 seconds between him and Villeneuve and Chabouille up in second and first place. But as Arnu realized that Chabouille had taken the lead, we can only imagine how motivated he must have been to give the French fans the 1-2 victory they came for. On the last 10 laps of the race, as Villeneuve's tires were getting increasingly worse, Arnu also managed to catch up on him. Arnu was going to try his best to give the French fans the decided 1-2 French victory, but he himself was struggling with a fuel pickup problem, so his car could not accelerate that well. At the end of lap 77, Arnu was finally able to overtake Villeneuve, but the Canadian was quickly able to regain his position again. Coming up to the very last lap of the race, the two drivers were neck and neck at the beginning of the lap. Anu had initially put Villeneuve at a distance, but as they came up to the first corner, Villeneuve braked so late that the cars were now side by side. During the last lap, the cars touched multiple times and even came off the track for a moment, neither driver being able to gain distance over the other. Somehow, when the cars crossed the finish line, Villeneuve had managed to inch ahead of his opponent by less than a quarter of a second both of them having finished the race around 15 seconds behind Chabouille. After the race, the drivers were not angry at each other and did not accuse one another of driving too dangerously. Villeneuve did not seem angry that he lost out on the first place, neither did Arnu seem disappointed that he was not able to give the French fans a 1-2 victory. Instead, they happily shook hands and complimented each other on a hard-fought race. Was this epic duel really normal during this era of Formula 1? And are the duels we see in today's races much more boring? The two drivers were actually heavily criticized, especially by the other drivers, after the race for driving dangerously. At the time, dying in a racing accident was a huge and very real risk, 
and a driver's meeting was called for the following race at Silverstone. But both Villeneuve and Arnoux downplayed the potential risk and said they would have never crashed into each other. In a recent interview, Arnoux also elaborates how he was asked why they fought that hard only for the second place, as people would have been able to understand it better had they fought for the race victory. Anu replied he still talks about this duel with pride and calls it a career highlight for both him and Villeneuve and considers it the best race in the history of the sport. He also mentioned how the duel was only made possible because he and Villeneuve knew each other so well. However, in the media at the time, people could already sense that this was a duel that was to go over in history with a common realization that duels like this were not something you were lucky enough to see once a season, never mind every race. Actually, at the time, a lot of people found Formula 1 to be increasingly boring with a lack of interesting battles. This duel suddenly made people look at Formula 1 in a different way and realize the importance of watching the entire race and each race of the season to make sure they did not miss out on epic battles like this. To talk about the two drivers, René Arnoux was born in 1948 in Ponchata in southern France. During the beginning of the 1980s, where he took a number of Grand Prix victories, he was known as one of the fastest drivers on the grid and many viewed him as a future Formula 1 world champion. Personality-wise, he was known to be somewhat of an introvert, but as a racer, he was still able to make a lasting impression, especially his ability to set a fast time over one lap in qualifying would give him the reputation as a particularly talented driver. After winning the Formula 2 championship and having entered a few Formula 1 races for different teams in 1978, he managed to impress the French manufacturer Renault and sign on for a full season with them in 1979. After a few years with Renault, Arnoux had a falling out with the team and their new star driver, Alain Prost, so he switched to Ferrari in 1983. He also managed to impress Ferrari's Tifosi before he had even switched teams, as his last victory with Renault was in the Italian Grand Prix at Monza in 1982. After his first season with Ferrari, where Anu proved himself to be a title contender in the 1983 season, things started going downhill for Anu already in the following 1984 season, which prompted Ferrari to fire the Frenchman early on in the 1985 season. He still raced a few more years in Formula 1 for Ligier after this. But with his driving abilities being increasingly criticized by his fellow drivers on the grid, by the time he ended his career in 1989, it was easy to forget what a rising star he had once been. Gilles Villeneuve has been called crazy by many people, also by René Arnoux. In an interview, Arnoux told a story where he'd once asked Villeneuve if he could take the last corner on Watkins Glen, a track in the US, flat out. Villeneuve responded that he did not know, but he would find out, which he did in a practice session later that day. As he tried to take the corner flat out, he crashed. Then he walked back to the pits to tell Arnoux that it could not be done. Even though he only ever won six Formula One Grand Prix, 
To this day, Villeneuve is still seen as one of the best Formula 1 drivers of all time. And many people say the only reason he did not win more was because he died so young. His aggressive driving style, ability to power slide through the corners and the willingness to do anything for a race win made him loved by many a racing fan. Former snowmobile driver Villeneuve became a Formula 1 driver in 1977. He started his Formula 1 career with the McLaren team after star driver James Hunt recommended him as a driver for the team after having had first-hand racing experience with Villeneuve. However, it did not take long until he caught the attention of Enzo Ferrari himself. So he started driving for the Scuderia by the end of 1977. By 1978, he managed to take his first race victory even on his home track in Montreal, Canada, a track that is now named after him. In 1979, Villeneuve proved to be a title contender, but eventually finished the season as runner-up behind his teammate Jody Schechter, who, by the way, was also to mention Villeneuve's crazy behavior in future interviews. The 1982 season started off on a high with Ferrari looking like title contenders. However, this year truly proved to be an annus horribilis for the Italian team. During the 1982 San Marino Grand Prix, Villeneuve was set to win the race up until the very last lap when his teammate Didier Peroni ignored team orders, overtook Villeneuve and thereby took the race win. This stunt angered Villeneuve and prompted him to say that he would never speak to Peroni again. In the following race at Salder in Belgium, a horrific accident happened that would make Villeneuve's promise come true. During the qualification for this race, Villeneuve hit the back of a much slower car of Jochen Maas, a collision that would prove fatal for Villeneuve and rob motorsport of one of its greatest heroes of all time. After Villeneuve's passing in the Belgian Grand Prix in 1982, Arnoux went on to drive for the Canadian's former team Ferrari the following year. Since Arnoux had already signed a contract before Villeneuve's dead, and it had not yet been decided which of the two Ferrari drivers, Villeneuve or Didier Peroni, Arnoux would be racing alongside, there was actually a chance that Arnoux and Villeneuve could have ended up together in the same team. In later interviews, Arnoux had talked about how he would have loved for this to happen. And for many racing fans, this would also have been like the ultimate dream come true. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Motorsport Stories podcast. So if you ever have any questions, comments, criticism, or if you would like to suggest a topic for the show, please feel free to leave a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, or send me an email. Contact information can be found in the show notes alongside any sources that might have been used for this episode. And please remember, if you like the show, please give us a like and review on your favorite podcast app. And of course, spread the word and the love and tell your friends about the show. Until next time, have a speedy day.